Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. Today you can open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and we're going to start at verse 10. And we're going to be reading through 10 through 17. If you don't have your paper Bible, you can open up your iPhone, iPad, Samsung, Android, whatever you got. You can also follow Blackberry. No, we don't have Blackberries no more, I don't think. Or you can just follow along on the, uh, the screens there. We should have the main text. 1 Corinthians 1, uh, <clears throat> verse 10 through 17. And today's sermon is division in the church. So verse 10. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Now I exhort you, <clears throat> brethren, he's speaking to the Christians in the church in Corinth. I exhort you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you may be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. And now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I am of Paul and I am of Apollos. And I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one would say you were baptized in my name. Now, I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized any other. Verse 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. So we find out in this text of scripture that is written to the church in Corinth that in the church there is division and there is disunity among the people, among the Christians. And Paul was informed of this. He was told this. He was given word by Chloe's people that there was division amongst the Christians in the church at Corinth. And so he writes to them again in verse 10, I exhort you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree and that there be no divisions among you. He writes to them saying, there should be no divisions among you in the house of God. In God's people, there should be no divisions and that you should all agree. You see, division and disunity and disagreements within a church of Jesus Christ is not God's will. Division and disunity and disagreement will destroy the church. It will destroy people's lives. It will destroy and ruin Christians. And we need to understand that. It's not God's will to have division in the house of God. And that is why the Holy Spirit prompted the Apostle Paul, inspired him to write 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 to the church, saying there should be no divisions among you, God's people. You see, this is a division is a device that Satan uses. He wants to bring division in the church to ruin Christians. He does not want men and women worshiping Jesus Christ. He is the accuser of the brethren. He hates Christians. Satan hates you and me this morning. And although he is powerless because of the authority of Christ Jesus, he still hates you and I. 
And division in the church is a device that Satan wants to bring, to stir up within God's people, to bring separation within the church. He wants to do it in this church. He wants to do it in every church in Kitchener and Waterloo. He wants to do it all around the world. He does not want there to be unity in God's house amongst Christians. And this is why Paul, inspired, wrote this, that there should be no divisions among you. Did you know, even, even this morning, God wants to bring division within this body. He wants, Satan rather, he wants to bring division. He, he loves to try to creep into marriages, to, to, to spark arguments out of nowhere. Have you been there? I've been there. Been married 14 years. And out of nowhere, I'm arguing with my wife over only God knows what. You've been there? Am I the only one? Come on, help me out, married people. Right? You have no idea why, but you're angry at your spouse. You're frustrated with your kids. And of course, it's Sunday morning, so you've got to get going to church. Praise God. But it's just the truth. Satan wants to bring division within marriages, within uh, father and children relationships, mother and children relationships. He wants to do it. It's a device of Satan, division. It is a serious thing. And this is, this is something that cannot be ignored. And thank God for Chloe. Whoever Chloe is, we read about her in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 or 13, right? Or verse 11, rather. It says, it, Paul says in verse 11, I have been informed concerning you, church, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels or there are disagreements among you. Thank God for Chloe. She didn't just look past the division that she saw within the church there. It doesn't say much else about Chloe, but she did the right thing. She presented it to God and she presented it to God's uh, apostle who was overseer of that church. You see, division, if it's not taken care of, if division is not addressed and dealt with, it will bring ruin and destruction. Whether it's in a marriage or a family or in a church. It has to be addressed. And you and I as Christians, we got to be discerning of it and aware that, listen, this is the ploy of the enemy trying to bring division and disagreement and disunity where the Holy Spirit wants to keep us united and joined together in Jesus Christ. We need to be aware of this, church. It is a very serious thing. And thank God that it wasn't overlooked, but Chloe informed Paul and then the Holy Spirit informed, uh, inspired Paul to, to address the church. Now, some disagreements within a church can be ignored. There are some disagreements that just, just ignore it. Like, for instance, pastor, you know that, that new coffee brand that you're percolating? I don't like it. It's kind of disgusting. I like, I like the other stuff. Well, no, 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 no. I like, I prefer this coffee. No, no, but I don't. You see, just, just look over that disagreement, right? That, that's a cup of coffee, right? Or, or, man, the bulletins, pastor, like the bulletins this week, they weren't as pretty as the ones last week. I really liked when you put that, you know, that, that picture of the flowers and, and, and the cross. You know, I don't see it on this week's bulletin. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, but just look over that disagreement, right? Are you hearing me? There's certain things that we can do. I don't like the song selections that was chosen for worship. Well, well, how about you just get past that and just worship Jesus anyway, right? There's some arguments and disagreements in the church that we don't need to make a big deal. Let's not divide. Please don't leave the church because you don't like the coffee. You don't praise God. Like, come on, that's ridiculous, right? There are some disagreements we need to look past. But there are other disagreements, like the one in Corinth, that have to be addressed. We read verse 11 through 13 again. 
Paul says, again, I've been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. And now I mean this, that each one of you, he's telling this to the church members. He's saying, I'm hearing that each one of you are saying, some of you are saying, I am of Paul. And then we have another group saying, I am of Apollos. And then we have some other people in that same church saying, well, I am of Cephas. And then we have a few people saying, well, I am of Christ. That's division. They're not all following the same teacher, preacher, minister word. Do you hear there's this division, and Paul's saying, what, what's up with this? Why are you saying, one person saying you're of Christ, one saying that you're of Paul? Who are you following here? And he says, has, Christ, has Jesus Christ been divided? Did the Apostle Paul, was he crucified for you? Right, that's what he says. He says to them, Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or when you were baptized, were you named, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Paul? Is that how it went down for you, church in Corinth? And he's reprimanding them, saying, this is wrong. There's a spirit, this, this, this divided spirit amongst God's people. Other translation of that passage say, um, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. And it's good to see that some of them were following Christ. You see, all of them should have just been saying, I follow Christ, Period. And at least some of them in this church were following Christ, but some were more interested in following Paul and his teachings than Jesus. Let's follow the Apostle Paul's ministry more than our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's wrong. You see, Paul, he was a faithful minister of Jesus, and he traveled all over Asia Minor and Europe and, and, and preached the gospel in Israel. Paul wrote much of the New Testament in our Bibles that we read. In fact, he wrote 1 Corinthians, the book that we're preaching from today. He wrote Galatians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Philemon, Colossians, Philippians, 1 and 2 Timothy, and Titus. That's the Apostle Paul. He knows a little bit about Jesus. He knows a little bit about God. He's done some pretty great things in the name of Christ, right? We just figured that out. But still, that does not replace following Jesus. Just because of his resume doesn't mean we follow Paul. We still need to follow Jesus Christ. And that was an issue for those people in the church of Corinth. Some were more interested in following Apollos more than they were following Jesus. And some of us, we may not be too full understood of who Apollos is, like myself. But Apollos was an evangelist in the Bible. He was a church leader and he was a good friend of the Apostle Paul. He was a good man. Apollos was a good leader. He was a good Christian. He loved Jesus. So he, he could be somebody good to follow. In fact, Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 25 says this about Apollos. Now a Jew named Apollos um, was a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the ways of the Lord. And he was being fervent in spirit. Apollo spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. So that's a pretty good resume too. He was competent in the scriptures and he would preach Jesus Christ. That's a good thing. But again, that doesn't mean we follow Apollos before we follow Jesus. And that was the problem in Corinth. Some of the people were more interested in following Cephas. Do we know who Cephas is? Cephas is the other name for the Apostle Peter. 
Some people liked the ministry of Peter more than, than Jesus. They were following Peter, Cephas, more than Jesus. And we know through scriptures that Peter was a powerful preacher and a, and a lover of Jesus. He loved the Lord. He wasn't perfect, but he loved Jesus. And he preached Jesus Christ. He, we see his bold preaching in the, the book of Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. Peter was the guy that walked on water with Jesus. Remember that story? That's pretty good. I've never done that. Nobody else has ever done that, as far as I'm aware. Some have walked on ice saying it's water. But Peter literally walked on water. That's Peter. By the power of God through faith in Jesus, right? Peter also prayed for a healing for a lame man in Acts chapter 3. He turned to the man. The man wanted money. And he said, money I don't have, but what I have... I give to you, stand and be healed in Jesus' name. And that man was healed. There's another account where Peter's shadow brought healing to people. Peter was a man of God. Peter was a great leader. But we don't follow Peter before we follow Jesus Christ. And people in the church were being divided. Some were following Christ. Others were following men. Good, godly men, but they're nonetheless, they're men. And we don't follow men before we follow Jesus Christ. That's a problem. And that was the divided spirit that was at work in the church of Corinth, were to follow Jesus Christ. And again, he says, verse 13, has, has Christ been divided? I was not crucified you, and you were not baptized in my name. Listen, as good as pastors are, and we do have a godly pastor. Pastor Mike is a godly pastor. We love him. We thank the Lord for him. We talked about this, I believe, in, in the first uh, sermon of God's grace given to the church, we find that Paul addresses himself as the apostle, right? The, and, we, and we talked about how God gives um, godly leadership to the church. And God commands that we are to submit under the authority of godly leadership. And that the godly leadership is going to give an account before God. And so we recognize that we've been giving godly leadership. That's important. We need to submit to that. Amen? But Pastor Mike is not Jesus. And Pastor Mike did not die on the cross for my sins and your sins. And he would be the first to agree with me here. Amen? And so pastors, as great as they are, you've got these pastors who are, who are famous on a worldwide scale. And even the ones who are legit, they're preaching the gospel, they're preaching Jesus Christ, they're doing great things, they're seeing God use their ministry, and God is pleased with these men all across the world. They have a huge platform. Still, we do not follow men before we follow Jesus Christ. Period. It is not God's will. That brings division. It can bring division within the house of God. We are to follow Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus said this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and what? Follow me. If you want to be saved, if you want to have eternal life, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Jesus said that. That's it. There's one Lord and one God and one God-man that we follow. And it is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Not pastors, not ministers, not TV preachers, not evangelists. We don't follow them. We're ministered by them and through them, but we follow Jesus Christ. I wonder how many people today go to church for the pastor and not for Jesus. 
I wonder how many people would not show up to church if they knew that their pastor wasn't going to be there for the next two weeks because the pastor was away. That's a problem. That means they're not going there for Jesus. They're going there because that preacher is so eloquent. That preacher is so funny. That preacher is so cool. That preacher is so hip. Oh, he's cool. They play some sweet tunes in the background while he comes in with the smoke machine and he glides down on the, on the zip line. That's my preacher. Oh, he's not going to be there for the next two weeks? Psh, I ain't coming to church. Because that associate pastor, he's boring. He actually preaches from the Bible. Right? I say it with some humor, but I also say it with some seriousness too. I wonder how many people go to church for their pastor. We shouldn't do that. We should go because we want to worship Jesus and be in God's presence and be with Jesus' people. Amen? Ah! I wonder how many people are reading more books written by pastors, and there's some good ones, and there's some horrible ones, but there's some good ones too. I wonder if, if Christians are reading more books written by pastors than the book written by the Holy Spirit. And we're not opposed to reading books that are written by pastors. Oh my goodness, read books. They're great. I could read more, I, I confess. But I believe as Christians, man, our first priority has got to be reading the Scriptures. Let's read what God says. Amen? Amen. We want to follow Jesus, not men, but Jesus Christ. And He says, I exhort you that you all agree and there be no divisions among you is what God wrote through Paul to this church. That you all agree. Those are some big words, aren't they? Like, when God says, He says, I exhort that you all agree. It's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not going to agree with that dude over sitting yawn. I'm not pointing to anybody. I'm, right? But we, but we can think, are you, God wants us to to all agree and have no divisions? Well, yeah, it, it's true because that's what he said. But this does not mean that every Christian has to agree on everything. Okay? There are, there are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. They are Christians. They are born again. When they die, they're going to heaven. It's true. You may not believe that. But if they're a Christian, they've repented of sin. They've received the free gift of salvation. They're saved by grace through faith alone then they're going to heaven. They're our brothers and our sisters, right? But we don't have to agree on every single thing in the body of Christ. Okay, and we're going to look into this now a little bit. We can have opinions. Some of us sure have opinions. <laughs> and we can have differences on some things in the church. Some things, right? Not all things. But we can have disagreement and opinions and loving disputes, loving all done with love, please hear me, on some things in the church. Some things actually are debatable. They're debatable. One Christian might believe one thing. Well, I don't actually believe that, but we're still Christians and brothers in the Lord. They can be debatable as long as they're done with love. It's ridiculous at times to see... Christians, and you'll see it on Facebook sometimes, somebody posts something on Facebook that another Christian responds to that they don't agree with, and, and it becomes, it's not, there's no, it's fine to comment on things, 
and to debate things, but let's just do it with humility and love. At times, it becomes this back and forth argument. And I'll confess, I might hit comments and read through the comments because I'm intrigued and I'm also annoyed. I can't believe that the, the backlash and they keep tagging one another. Are you with me? Am I alone still? Come on. Right? But it gets ridiculous. The petty issues that should not bring division within the body of Christ that people just get all up in arms about. We sh- it shouldn't be so. We can debate and, uh, and disagree in love, right? In love, not to bring division. When those petty issues and things that we can disagree on as Christians, when they divide us and they cause hatred and anger, you think that's pleasing before the Lord? It's not. But when it's talked about and discussed in a spirit of love, that's pleasing to God. And there are some things, like, for instance, a few, and there's many more, and you might know more than I know, uh, many of you probably know a lot more than I know, but things like eschatology, that's a big name. Eschatology is basically the doctrine of end times, the end time doctrines. How is it all going to unfold? What's, what, when everything in the book of Revelation and Matthew 24, when are all these things going to be? Because one Christian might believe this. You know, I believe, uh, I'm saying one Christian might say, well, I believe that we're going to be raptured. Um, before the tribulation, so it's the pre-trib. I believe, you know, that it's going to be three and a half years into the tribulation. You know, it's, we'll call that the mid-trib. Why? That sounds good. And I, now I believe, you know, um, that it's going to be post-trib. You know, we're going to go through seven years. God's going to keep us. And you know what? Honestly, all of those three opinions are okay. Because the Bible, in my understanding, if I'm wrong, please correct me, in my understanding, the Bible's not crystal clear on this. There's been debates and discussions on this. You, we all just need to read the scriptures and pray that the Holy Spirit would enlighten us, and, and, and then we, we stand on what we believe the scripture is teaching. Although there might be others that believe the other. And that's okay. There are some issues that we can disagree on in love, like the end time theology. There's, there's people, they're called cessationists. We talked maybe briefly about this in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. A, a lot of them don't, Christians don't believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for the church today. They believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ended with the apostles in the scriptures. And they have some scripture that they present for that case. And, and that's fine. We don't, we don't hate them. They're, they're our brothers and sisters still. But there's, then there's also Christians who are, they're called continue, um, continualists. And they believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are continuing on for the church and the edification of the body today, which I believe is, is the case. That's my belief based on Scripture, okay? We don't fight with these people. We just lovingly say, well, you, you believe that, I believe this. Praise God. Let's worship Jesus together, right? It's important that we understand that. Some Christians are okay with drinking some wine or drinking some alcohol here and there. Other Christians are totally, completely against it. These are things where the Bible's not crystal clear. So we need to work out these convictions before the Lord as, right, between us and God. And so we don't, if you believe that Christians should not drink at all, doesn't mean you're mean or rude or arrogant towards Christians that are fine with having a glass of wine here and there. When it comes to drunkenness, the Bible's clear. Drunkenness is a sin. If, people, if Christians get drunk, they are sinning, Period. If Christians drink wine, the Bible's not clear on whether... So we can't say you're sinning because you had a glass of wine with your meal. 
and we shouldn't. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need to lovingly disagree with certain parts of Scripture. Another, another one is the Sabbath. Do we worship Jesus on Saturday mornings or do we worship Jesus on Sunday mornings? Well, if it's Saturday mornings, we're in a heap of trouble. I say that very jokingly because it's Sunday morning, right? But these are things that, man, let's just, we can just, fine. If you want to worship Saturday, worship Saturday. We go to church Sunday. Praise God. Do you hear what I'm saying? But these, it's important that we lovingly uh, do this. You know, bacon or no bacon? I say bacon. Come on. Are you with me? Bacon. Yeah. And lots of it. Some Christians might say no to bacon. Matthew Frederick Knoll on record says yes to bacon. Bacon is a blessing from the Lord. And I am forever grateful for bacon. Right, Austin? He's with me, my son. We need, we need to debate and disagree with these things with a spirit of humility and love, not hatred and anger and any of that foolishness. That brings division. We cannot go there. Amen? But we must, however, agree on the fundamental doctrines of Scripture. There, there is essential and fundamental and vital and core doctrines in Scripture that we must agree on. There's no, there's no debating it as Christians. There's no questioning it. And again, I understand there's lots of other things that we could disagree on as well. That was just a few that I wanted to list. And, but there's, there's other doctrines, church, listen, that you and I cannot, we cannot divide on. And this is what was, these are things that were happening in the church of Corinth. One guy was following, people were following men before following Jesus. That, that makes trouble all the way down the list when you're following man before following Jesus Christ. And so there are things that we need to absolutely agree on, and we cannot have division on certain areas of Scripture. And we're going to go over, actually, 14 truths. I have 14 truths. Yes, 14. Don't worry, not 4D, but 14, okay? (laughs) And these are just 14 that I believe we cannot disagree on as Christians. And there's probably others as well. In fact, I know there would be others, but you ready for this? We're going to go into it. And if you disagree, well, you shouldn't. <laughs> and again, I say that funny, but I say it because it's, it's Scripture and their essential truth. So let's get started here. So the first essential truth um, that we cannot disagree on, that the Christians must agree on, Everybody's, like, I see everybody. Jacob put his, his elbows on his knees. He's like, bring it. Let's go here. We're excited, right? Okay, let's get in this. <laughs> I'm excited now too. <laughs> John chapter 1, verse 1. The first thing is that Jesus is God. Jesus is, hey, mother, welcome to church this morning. You came, right? The, the good time, mom. But the first essential truth is that Jesus is God. Okay, John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God. This is in the beginning, before anything was created and put into place. And the Word was God. And then John 1.14 says, And the Word, who is with God from the beginning of time, the Word became flesh, that's referring to Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, 
glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. So we find in John 1, 1 that the Word was God, and then the Word in John 1, 14 becomes flesh. That's Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child will be born. This is the prophecy of the the Messiah who would come. This is 700 years before Christ came in the manger, okay? And it says, Isaiah 9, 6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name, speaking of Jesus, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor Mighty God. Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus is God. There cannot be amongst Christians disagreements on that truth. Number two, Jesus was born of a virgin in Bethlehem. Jesus was born of a virgin. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Behold, the virgin, speaking of Mary, shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. There it is again. This son that Mary is going to born, his name is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. There's another confirmation that Jesus is God, God with us, Emmanuel, born in the, the womb of a virgin. It was a supernatural birth of the Holy Spirit within Mary, who was a virgin. Christ was born. Essential truth number three, Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. There cannot be any disagreement on that. If, Jesus, if there's disagreement on that, then Jesus is not God. And Jesus cannot forgive us of sin. If Jesus sinned, we're hopeless. Jesus was sinless. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He was the spotless Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. When he died on that cross. Amen? Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, speaking of Jesus, but we have one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. How encouraging is that? That Jesus, when he was fully man, Jesus was fully man. Yes, he was fully God, but he was fully man on earth. He was tempted in every area that you and I are tempted in. Think about that, guys. And yet he was sinless. He did not sin. Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. Truth number four that we cannot disagree on is God is is the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Bible is clear, although the Bible does not say the word Trinity, the Bible is clear that God is the Godhead, three in one. He's not just one God. Some, Some teachers are teaching that when Jesus died, God the Father also died on the cross. That's not that's not biblical. It's this whole I believe it's called like a oneness gospel or something like that. That that Christians are rejecting the Trinity, that the Bible clearly teaches that God is is one God, but three persons in one, right? In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 through 17, says this. This is an awesome passage to, to prove the Godhead, the Trinity, okay? Matthew chapter 
3, verse 16 through 17. And when Jesus, there's the son, was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God, there's the Spirit, descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And then, he, and then behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, there's the Father, with whom I am well pleased. There is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are three persons in one God. And they are all God. They share the deity of God. Amen? The Trinity. Number five is that God is creator. God created the world. God is creator. Christians cannot dispute that and argue that. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There it is. Children know that verse. The world didn't come into existence by a big bang theory. The world wasn't just brought into existence by, by things taking place in the universe and stardust came and human beings were formed from stardust as a, as, as a lot of atheists believe. That we're just, we're just stardust and minerals and chemicals and, or, 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 or other, other, others believe that that monkeys then eventually formed into... I mean, I could see how they would see me coming from a monkey. I get that. When I was a kid, there was a nickname that people gave me, Monkey Boy. Sure, fine, but I didn't come from one. God created me. Christians need to agree on this, that God is our creator. He is. The Bible's clear on this. Number six, God is love. If any Christian were to say that God is not love, they are not a Christian. God is love. He's the reason that we can love Him. He's the reason why we can love one another. Love comes from God because God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Why? Because God is love. Love. Period. Number seven. The Bible is God's perfect authoritative word. Do we agree on that? Christians need to agree on this stuff. The Bible is God's perfect authoritative word. Second Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God breathed the word of God. And holy men wrote it who were inspired of God. It is authoritative. It is the final answer. The foundation of the church is the word of God. It's the one thing that's eternal. In the beginning was the word. It's the one thing that's going to be forever settled in heaven. It's forever settled in heaven. God's word is just, it's not going to, you can't change it. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. It's authoritative. It is, it is perfect. It is God's breathed word. And Christians need to be in agreement on that. Christians cannot pull certain passages from it because they don't agree with it. We either accept it from cover to cover or we don't. But it is God's word and it is God's final word. Praise God for that. Number eight. We need to agree as Christians 
that we have sinned against God and that we need to be forgiven by God through Jesus. Amen? Every Christian needs to understand that we were once dead in our sins and we had to ask Christ to forgive us of our sins that we could be forgiven. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience, among them, we too all formerly used to live in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of our flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 1 John 1, nine. if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. We need to be in agreement that we have never, ever once been holy enough in and of ourselves. If any Christian says that, that, we, we, you know, that everybody is righteous, everybody is holy, and we're all God's children, that's wrong. We need to repent of our sin and accept Christ's forgiveness is the reason why he bled and died on that cross and rose again. Amen? Number nine, Jesus Christ lived and died on a cross for the forgiveness of sins, and whoever would believe on him as Lord and Savior would be saved eternally. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Jesus shall not perish but have eternal life. We need to agree that Christ died for our sins and whoever puts their faith and trust in him, they will be saved. That is a fundamental truth that Christians need to be in agreement on. We're not saved by our works. We're not saved by our righteousness. We cannot receive salvation by being good or going to church. It is by the death and resurrection of Christ for our sins. Romans chapter 4, verse 25, He was delivered over to death for our sins, and was raised to life for our justification. Praise God. We are justified and made right because of Christ's death on that cross. Number 10, Jesus Christ rose in bodily form again, back from the grave, back to life by the power of God's Spirit. Do you believe that? Do we agree on that? That He, 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 wasn't, he didn't just raise spiritually, Jesus Christ died in his body, and Jesus Christ rose back to life in his body. Amen? And we need to be in agreement on that, that his body is no longer buried in the grave. When they went to find his body, it was gone. Behold, he's no longer here. He's risen. He's risen indeed. We, we just celebrated Easter. Christ rose back to life in bodily form. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 through 4. For I delivered to you as of first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scriptures there's a truth that we cannot disagree on amen as christians and followers of jesus 
we need to agree in number 11 that Jesus ascended to heaven in bodily form as well. He died in body, he rose in body, and then he walked on earth for how many more days? 40 more days. And then we know where he was with his disciples, and the Bible says that he ascended in his body, in a cloud, up to heaven. And Jesus Christ right now is still in his body, the same body that he died in and rose again in and ascended in. Jesus is still in that same body, but he is glorified in heaven. He is God, and he's waiting for his Father to say, Go and return for my people. Do you believe that? We have to agree on this. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And after he had, this is after he was risen, after he had said these things, Jesus was lifted up while they were looking on him, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Could you imagine that? Hey, Jesus, I'm so happy you're alive again. You know, it's been 40 days. Oh, sorry, you're going now? Oh, 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 Jesus, right? Woo, he's gone up in the cloud. That's what it was. We need to believe that according to Acts chapter 1, verse 9. You just said number 12, Diane. (laughs) Number 12, Jesus Christ is coming again in his body. Jesus Christ is going to descend from heaven. He ascended. He's waiting. There will be a descension. He's going to descend for Christians and those people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Praise God for that day. But we need to agree. Acts chapter 1, verse 10 through 11. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white, this is while he's ascending, uh, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand there looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go to heaven. He will come back again. We must agree on that fundamental truth of the Word of God. Number 13, i got two more, 13 and 14. Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. We need to agree on that. John chapter 14, verse 6, very familiar passage. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You cannot be righteous enough. You can't go to church a thousand times and that's going to do it. You can't pray enough. You can't memorize the entire New Testament enough. You cannot do nothing to earn your salvation. It is found only in Jesus Christ. We are saved in Jesus through grace by faith alone. Period. But He is the only way to heaven. And number 14, we are saved by the grace of God alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not as a result of works so that anyone may boast. We are saved by grace through faith alone. Is how you and I receive salvation. Don't ever, don't ever let people or or the enemy, or the pressures of this life, or even when you fall in a sin, or you make a mistake, you can, you can feel like, man, i got to make this up to God. You've been there before like me? Come on, don't leave me hanging again, right? Oh, Lord, I'll never do that again. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? You've been there with me? 
Oh God, I promise. I promise, Lord. If you would just please forgive me. Oh God, don't you see the tears rolling down my cheeks? I am so sorry for this. And that's a good thing to feel that way when we sin. But don't ever think that that's going to bring forgiveness. Don't ever think that you being sorry for your sin will ever, in and of itself, bring forgiveness. We need to confess it to God and say, Jesus, I am sinful. Cleanse me. Wash me, Lord. Amen? Amen. Don't ever feel like you need to work up your righteousness. Man, you are saved. You are a Christian. Just because you make a mistake in sin, you're still a Christian. When my son makes a mistake or my daughter makes a mistake, am I no longer their father? No, I just spank them and <laughs> just joking. No longer. I just discipline them lovingly, teach them, hug them, pray with them, and keep being their dad. You're still a son and daughter of God. You're saved by grace through faith alone, not of any works that you can do. We need to agree on that. We can't let it become self-righteousness. We cannot. That's, that's a work of the enemy. It is. That's a, relig- a, a bad religious spirit. We are saved by grace through faith alone. Period. So those are the 14 fundamental truths that we all need to agree on. If you disagree, don't. <laughs> because the Bible says so. Not because I say so. so. We're going to close here. If you want to come on the guitar, we're going to close in a few minutes here. But I want to close with just two more scriptures here, and then we're going to close in prayer. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. This is the Apostle Paul again, and he says, I appeal to you, brothers. He's speaking again to the church, to Christians. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and to those who create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Paul is saying, We need to watch out for those people that cause divisions. We need to be like Chloe and Chloe's household, whoever they are, but they're in the Scripture. And they said, Paul, something bad is going down there. There is division at work in this church. She didn't didn't just let it go. She addressed it. And we we need to lovingly firmly address division. We need to be watching for it. And when we see it, it doesn't mean we go around saying, are you bringing division this morning? Hey, welcome to Freedom Life Church. Great to have you. Listen, just want to ask you a question here. Did you bring division here this morning? Because if you did, turn around and leave, right? We don't do that. That's bad, right? But we need to watch for those who are causing divisions. Amen. It's the truth. And for those who are creating obstacles contrary to doctrine. We need to avoid those people. My last scripture, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. Let's stand. We're going to read this together. We're going to pray and then we're going to worship. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6. This is Paul saying, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Paul's in prison and he's writing this. He says, I urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And with all humility and with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. There it is. Right? We, we've got to bear with one another because there will be things that we disagree on and if they're things that are okay and they're not essential, we need to just bear with each other in love, right? And Paul says there, 
I, I, I urge you to walk in humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Listen, man, I know that you know, we're not, we're not uh, seen on the same page here on these things here, but listen, the, the Bible wants us to eagerly look for unity. Let, let's not let this divide us, brother or sister. There's no reason that this should divide us. Let's just sit and talk and pray and work it out. Because God says here in this passage in Ephesians 4, we're to want to eagerly maintain the unity of the Holy Spirit in the bond of peace. That's so important. We deal with division, but we keep peace. Satan wants to bring division and discord and disunity, and he wants to do it in our lives and in this church. But we need to eagerly, by the power of his Spirit, Keep the peace that the Spirit brings. We need to eagerly do this. Because there is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that brings to your call. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There's only one God. And He's the God that wrote this Bible to us that we read this morning. And he's the one that's telling us, let's eagerly pursue peace. Let's watch and be aware of people bringing division. But let's individually as Christians, let's keep a spirit of peace in this church. Together. Let's be on guard. Let's support each other. Let's pray for one another. If there's things that you and I need to talk about and work it out, let's talk about it and work it out. There needs to be no head biting off in this church. There needs to be no slander or gossip or malice in this church. Let's not do that. Let's be sure we'll be tempted to do it at times. Why? Because we're people. But let's not give in to that temptation to do that. That will bring division. And above all, like the church in Corinth was failing to do, some of them were following Christ, but others were following Paul more than Christ. Others were following Peter more than Christ. And others were following Apollos more than Christ. Some were following Christ. Let's be a church that we are all following Christ. Please don't come here for any man. Please don't come here because I'm so cool. Listen, I know I'm cool. But don't come here for that. And I really hope you could sense my sarcasm and humor there. Don't come here for a man Let's come here week in and week out for Jesus because we love Jesus and we want to worship Jesus together in a spirit of unity. Amen? That sounds really good to me. Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.